You're listening to All The Things with Shams and Bex. Hello. Hey. Hey, you actually sound fine. I know. I feel okay. Um, praise God. <laughs> so, You're real. Yeah. So if you've been listening to the podcast, you know, Shami and I gave our words for the year. We do it every year. So this year it was super fun. We both have not only our words for the year, but scripture to go with them. Um, and mine is abide and ooh, I am already Lord 12 days, 11 days into this year. And I'm already being tested. Uh, Kennedy tested positive for the flu last week and lucky little me tested positive for COVID again. Um, I don't think we ever talked about, well, maybe we did. I think we did talk about when I got COVID in 2021, didn't we? We did talk about it, yeah. Yeah, and if you guys remember, that was just not a good time. Your girl was in the hospital, literally almost died. It was so intense. Um, so I won't lie, like Friday, oh, did I, I just was like bawling my eyes out for starters. Like I felt, I felt fine, which was what's so funny. The only thing that kind of made me a little curious and made me change from going to just the pediatrician on Friday to test Kennedy to go into the urgent care to test us both was I got the very distinct, very weird COVID headache, which if you've had COVID, you know exactly what it feels like. And my back was being attacked super bad. And that's what happened the first time I got it. So on Friday, that's kind of what raised my suspicion to make me change or want to change, you know? And so thank goodness we did because I went in and got tested just thinking that I would have the flu along with her, but nope, not so much. Um, but yeah, I'm just super, super, super grateful. So thankful to God because I did have two meltdowns during these past five days. The first day just from fear. And then this past Sunday, just really from like, just feeling lonely and feeling sick. It's just the worst. Um, but I learned so much from the first time I got it. I have really been, I feel like, insanely proactive on supplements and way to keep myself from, you know, depleting my oxygen and getting pneumonia again. So I am in super good shape right now. My oxygen is great. I feel okay. I just feel doggone run down. Yeah. Well, yeah. And dizzy. And dizzy. I can't oh, really? for a minute. Yeah, I mean, you know when you, so remember when you were going through vertigo? Yeah. Did you ever feel like when you moved your head slightly, like your whole body started to shake and your arms would get all wiggly? No, that didn't happen. Okay, that's what it feels like all the time. It feels like I'm so dizzy with just like the slightest move of my head, which is so great because I don't move my head ever in real life. So that's awesome. (laughs) But when I like move my head or I roll over, I stand up, oh. It's like almost nauseating because I just feel so doggone dizzy. And I can't tell if it's just because I've been cramming so many supplements in my body that my body is just like, what is happening? Yeah. Or if it's like the actual virus, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, you sound a lot better than you did the last time because the last time, like, 
barely had a voice. We couldn't even, you were like bedridden, but we couldn't really talk other than texting. Yeah. Because you just weren't able to talk a whole lot. Yeah. No 103 fever this time, no hallucinations, no kidney failure, no pneumonia. So good. Yeah. Living the dream. Um, So enough about us. How are you? (laughs) No, I wanted to hear how you guys were doing. I know, I know. It's a little bit of a... I don't know. I just know. I just know you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> when you like, I mean, we knew you're going to go check out Kennedy. I didn't know you were going to go check yourself out, though. I didn't know you weren't feeling good. You only told me Kennedy wasn't doing well. So yeah. then you said you have COVID. And I'm like, oh, no, because I know that it's been something that you constantly are like dreading. Like, I hope I don't have it again because it was such a horrible experience for you. Yeah. Like, I remember yeah. kind of feeling like, oh, my God. Um, I don't know, just kind of like not wanting you to be at the hospital when the whole thing was happening because it kind of was just like scary. He didn't really have information and it was just, it was, you weren't doing well and yeah, it was just crazy. So anyway, I'm glad that you're doing a lot better this time, that you are being proactive and doing all of the things to keep yourself healthier because there is, there is like, I have friends that have had it. And I had one friend that she got it so bad that like the only thing that saved her was taking ivermectin. And I know their thought process about that and whatever. I don't really care what your thought process is. I believe in like, there's always like other, I believe in other type of supplements and other things that are not given to you from the doctor. So um, (laughs) I'm all about it. Give me some horse stuff. That's fine. Um, But when that ha- watch, we're going to be flagged because I said, right. it. Um, <laughs> but like I, there were things that people are like, Oh, you should do this and this and this to just keep your lungs going. And so that it doesn't become, it doesn't sit in your chest as heavy. Right. So, yeah. And you guys have had like major cold weather cause you've had snow. Yeah. Yeah. We got our, we finally got snow, which we, it's been so needed. So, but it's kind of really like it's calm. like been a revenge of, oh, yeah, here it finally is. And you guys are really getting it, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. It stopped. We had beautiful, beautiful weather yesterday and today. And it's supposed to snow again tomorrow. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. How fun. I know. And God, my poor Kenny girl, man, this flu was a beast. She literally vomited for 72 hours. <laughs> Poor baby. Not constant, which thanks God, not constant. But like as soon as she would get to like the 12 hour mark and we would think we were out of the woods, she would just throw up her life. And what was insane was for the first 24 and 48 hours, I don't know what she was throwing up because it wasn't bile. Mm-hmm. It was, but she wasn't eating anything. Oh, so wow. I'm like, what is happening? Like what, where's this coming from? Cause she couldn't, she couldn't keep any, she had no appetite and even water was like too much for her at times. So I was getting so nervous. Um, but Aww. thankfully they got her on Tamiflu, which was really awesome and really, really helped her and her symptoms. Um, but yeah, yeah. That's good. I'm glad. Cause yeah, I mean, ugh, you know how Kai is when Kai gets like 
the stomach bug or she starts, yes. which thank God it has been a while, but um, yeah. when she gets it, you know, she gets dehydrated. She can't keep yeah. anything down. There's been multiple times that I've had to take her in because she just can't keep anything down. And yeah. it's the worst. It's the worst watching them that way because they're just so miserable and you feel mm-hmm. bad for them. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that she's out of the woods. Thank goodness. Yes. Yes, thank Jesus. So oh my nice. goodness. Oh well, how and you're back at work tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I gotta go back tomorrow. All right. Well, good luck. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Uh, it's gonna be fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Oh man. Yeah, it's been a little crazy over here. So I don't, I don't think I've really taught. I don't think I really told you anything. That's, so I ended up getting called last week. Um, what day was it? Uh, Wednesday, Tuesday. No, Tuesday we didn't end up having school because of the storm. Uh-huh. Wednesday Wait. we had half day. Okay, I started Wednesday. We had a teacher. She lives out here, but she is from Utah. Oh. Um, and she has a dad that lives out there. And he's just not doing well. He has dementia. He's not doing well. And so it was a very last minute thing the week before she asked me if I was available to take her class. And I said, yes, of course. (laughs) So I took her class and um, it was supposed to be that just last week. And we are now Mm -hmm. into the second week um, of me having their class. And as of today, and I don't know, this could change just depending her dad's now in hospice or hospice has had to come visit a couple times. Um, and so as of right now, I have her class until February 2nd. Um, Mm -hmm. so it went from one week to almost a month, um, that I will have her class. Thank God these kids are amazing. It is such a nice class that like, it makes it easy, you know, to be there, but I've been mm-hmm. there every day and I already have huge respect for teachers. You guys know, I talk about how teachers are amazing all the time, but having mm-hmm. to do this is even more because last week I had sub plans. I don't have sub plans this week. Oh, fun. I had to thank goodness. The math teachers in the grade had, um, they let me come and sit in on their planning last week. So we knew what we were doing this week and they like printed everything for me and have just been guiding me on what to do. But like overall, I just didn't have something that like was like, okay, at this time you do this and this time you do that. Like I have just decided what I'm doing (laughs) on the times. And I purposely am not a teacher because I don't like having to do my own curriculum. So, and I'm teaching math and math is not my strong suit. English is. So this has been interesting because I had to teach a brand new um, type of math to the, I mean, it's only third grade, thank God, but I've, I'm the one who introduced this new section of math to them. And Mm -hmm. so their tests that they had last week and their major tests they have this week are all based off of what, how I've taught them. Oh, I yeah. feel like the stress that teachers feel. Yeah. <laughs> like, these kids don't do well. Is it because I didn't teach them correctly? You know? So, um, oh, after yeah, that, yeah. and then it looks like, I mean, after the major test this week, we go into a new math. I think now we're going into fractions. So, I'm going to have to teach fractions. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm glad that the stuff that I've been having to teach is, like, 
stuff that I remember. And it's right. easy enough because, oh my God. If, right. if this had been fifth grade, I'd be in huge trouble. Yeah. Like, this will not be good. So, yeah, um, I get that. but yeah, so that's what's been going on. And then uh, had like an issue. So I'm a, you know, I'm a very like active parent. I'm a parent that like stays involved in everything. At the beginning of the year, um, Kylia had these books that, um, she's reading for the year. Right. And mm-hmm. the teacher told me, go ahead, take a picture of them. So I have a picture of all the books. Well, <sighs> one of the books has a couple things that I don't want Kylia learning about. Um, mm-hmm. and it's a young adult novel so that's the first thing oh. it's like this is young adult novel which means 12 that's for 12 and up so they shouldn't yeah. be reading it in fourth grade second thing is like there was a, and I know everybody is different like I ended up sharing it with one parent and the one parent was like okay well I'll just have a conversation with my kid but I'm okay with them reading it and then the other parents I shared it with were like oh heck no I don't want my kid reading that so everybody's different right yeah but like I went and messaged the teacher and I said, hey, um, when are you guys planning to read this book? Because I looked back at the pictures mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, yeah. So reading this book, I have it on my Kindle. I'm reading it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I messaged, when are you going to read this book? And she said, we're currently reading it. And I was like, uh, how far into this book are you? And she's All like, right. we're at chapter 12 and there's 21 chapters. So they're already halfway there. And I was like, great. (laughs) Well, I just so happy. So there's a couple things. The first thing in the book is the, a little boy sees his mom cheating on his dad. And yeah. And so then he is like, I have to keep this secret. Like Mm -hmm. it's a secret that I have to keep. So there are two things about that one. I don't want Kylia worrying that like her mom or dad could cheat on each other because now it's in her mind that like, like we've always put in their mind, like we're married for life. Right. And I know that there are families that that doesn't happen. I know divorce is a thing in our family. We don't even bring up the word divorce. It's not a thing in our family. Like we are not a fan of it. Now I know it happens because I am a child of a divorced like family. Right. Mm -hmm. I get it, but I just don't want that to be her thought. And I was, and I didn't want her to think that, oh my gosh, what if like my mom cheated on my dad or my dad cheated on my yeah, mom yeah. or if they're fighting yeah. and like whatever. So that was the yeah, first yeah. thing. The second thing is the kid saying that like, this is my secret that I have to keep because he convinces himself that he cannot tell the dad this, that if you know us in our family, we don't keep secrets. We tell the kids mm-hmm. all the time. We do not do secrets. Surprises. Sure. Because it will be found out on purpose. But mm-hmm. secrets is a no-no in our family because for me, that's how you groom a child is telling them to keep secrets from their parents. Mm-hmm. So that's a no-no for me. But she's already read it and I'm like, whatever, that's not the big thing. There is an attempted suicide in chapter tw- in chapter 13. Ooh, and okay. this child, yeah, it says that this child is very down and sad and feels like there's no way out. And so he attempts to cut his arm and it's bleeding and like it just – it just gives like this whole thing and it gives an idea of how to try to kill yourself. And I have a major problem with that. One, she's fourth grade. She should not even be thinking that way in any way. And now you have introduced this thought process to my child. 
Um, two, it, I understand that it happens, but like, I think that that's a topic that's more for older kids. And three, yeah. that is a topic that should be shared from a parent and not taught by a school. Yeah. So I have an issue with the fact that they're reading a book with this in it. So I had to deal with that. I had to go ahead and tell the teacher that Kylie is not to read that chapter because, again, she's already halfway through the damn book. So I can't be like, I don't want her to read the book when it's just that section I have a major problem with. So um, I said she's not to read that chapter. And if any of the questions are from that chapter on her test, I would like them removed or she will just fail the test. I won't have her take it at all. So thankfully, they were very accommodating. They said, yes, of course, Miss Meeks. We will not have her read Chapter 13. She, We will send her to a different classroom at that time. And then also, um, we will take those questions out of the test, and it will not go against her grade for not having mm -hmm. those questions. I was like, thank you. But then, of course, me, I'm like, I know this, but there are parents that don't know this, and I think that it should have been brought to parents' attention at least so that they could yeah. make a decision if they're okay with their kid reading that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, I ended up telling a handful of my friends that have their kids in fourth grade and all of them are like, heck no. And so now all of them will be contacting teachers to tell them, yeah. I do not want my kid reading that. So, That's so insane because like, we get like massive, well, we get, no, I wouldn't say massive, but we get at least two different warnings when and if there's ever going to be subjects like that that are brought up mm -hmm. and we get the curriculum ahead of time mm -hmm. and it's never like a surprise but that is so interesting what book is that it's hatchet oh oh my god see so that's like a typical book that's read like all over like yes even since I in, was little in middle school yeah I it's remember... not a book that's read in elementary school and I know that we read it in elementary school. Really? Because even, okay, so you're different. Well, you're California. It's possible. Um, yeah, but here's the thing. I couldn't even tell you anything about that book because I just never flip and read it. And my kids never read it. Uh, Kenley's never read it in her curriculum. Um, and it's not like a book that they went over. But I remember in school we were supposed to read it but here's the thing is i was so dyslexic i never read a single freaking book i cliff noted everything and i never once even knew that that was in that book really how do you read now if you were dyslexic i just you, huh? had to train my i just had to train my brain and work i did tutoring when i was younger but even so even just the other day i will find myself like i have to check myself so hard because it's not just um, like the alphabet, it's numbers as well. And so oh. one of our teammates had decorated for another one of our teammates and she put one of the numbers up and I walk in and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. Everything looks so perfect. Another teammate walks in and she's like, mm, that number is a hundred percent backwards. And I was like, what are you talking about? Which number? And she was like, <laughs> the first one. And I said, no, it's not. And she was like, it's a thousand percent backwards. And I was like, no way. Like, so I still have to check myself because stuff still looks backwards. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, not when I ask the question, it's not like dyslexic people cannot read. It's just usually you have to get like some kind of 
help or like do a program or like something to help a kid learn how to read. Like yeah, they can I still read. Tutoring. It's just hard for them. You know, like it's a lot harder for them to be able to yeah, like I did tutoring for read and all that. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy because being dyslexic, like they don't consider that like a medical thing. No. If you are dyslexic, it's just like, oh, well, whatever. And that is just crazy. Yeah. Like they're definitely, you should definitely be able to get an IEP or a 504 because your child is dyslexic. Yeah. You should not have to jump through all the hoops that they make you jump through. They'll make you go get a special test that you uh -huh. have to pay for yourself out of pocket. And then they'll tell you that, well, we can't put them on an IEP. We'll just have to like what do what we can to help. There's tutoring. Here's your options, and here's the amount. Isn't that ridiculous? That's yeah, that's what stupid. Yeah. I mean, it's all good in the hood now, but yeah. Stupid. Ruffle, that's why I'm really, really happy. I'm so thankful that Kenley is not dyslexic. I'm just so happy that she's not, because it is a struggle. It's a struggle. Yeah. But it's not too bad. Well, that's good. Anywho, that is crazy, but I'm glad that you, you know, you did that and stood up well, for her and what you did. I was just frustrated because I dropped the ball because I did not get everything read before, you know. I just wish mm -hmm. I'd gotten it done ahead of time. So I will be getting the fifth grade books at the end of the year before summer starts so I can read it mm -hmm. during summer. Because, yeah, no. I And, you know, I honestly didn't think that I was going to have to. I was like, yeah, I'm reading these books, but I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure, you know, the school – I like I really trust my school and my the staff at the school, right? Mm -hmm. But they didn't really have a chance to really look over this curriculum before it was given to them. It was given to them at the beginning of school starting. They didn't even get it over the summer to be able to look at it. So I'm sure mm -hmm. the teachers are just kind of trying to do what they can and they probably aren't able to do a whole lot of ahead reading and all that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's just unfortunate that I, you know, I'm like, well, I guess this is why I have to do my due diligence because I can't leave it up to the school. You know, it's my job yeah. to do this. And so I just wish I had done it earlier because then I wouldn't have had to read the book at all. But right. um, yeah, I know that actually, yeah, actually come to think of it. I know for a fact that Kenley, I need to actually check with her teacher because I'm pretty sure that book is in rotation for sixth grade. It probably is, but again, that's sixth grade. That makes sense to me. Yeah, and I that is something it, that I feel like sixth grade kids probably either. are dealing with. But again, yeah. I just think that they should have let parents know ahead of time. And I think if they had, I probably would have been a little bit more understanding. But I probably mm -hmm. still would have said, "Well, I don't want her to read it." But yeah, I would have sure preferred to even tell us. Yeah, I'm pretty sure for us too. It's only uh, German immersion because I have not seen those books. Well, it's possible. They haven't gone through any of those yet. So thank you yeah. for bringing that up because I remember it in rotation, but I haven't come up with Kenley reading it yet, although I've seen yeah. it in circulation. So I'll make sure that I touch base and check on that. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you got to know your kid. My kid is very impressionable. Yeah. Um, I went ahead and I wasn't sure how much she was understanding of the book. So me and Ashley quizzed her and Izzy. And was just like, oh, so what book are you guys reading? And they told us, and what is it about? And they were able to tell us so much about the book uh -huh. that I was like, you guys are understanding what you're reading. Okay, yeah, yeah. no. And so, yeah. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Again, I just wish they had told parents, because I remember when I was in school, we had to be 
told when we were, I mean, we were in PE where you expect in high school, where you expect kids to learn about drugs and sex ed. And my parents still had to sign a permission form to say that I could learn those things in PE in high school. Yeah. So I don't understand how in elementary school that you shouldn't have to sign something. But I mean, also, the thing is, is this is not the only thing. Fifth grade, we've had to have two modules completely taken away because they were inappropriate for fifth grade. And then in first grade, there was a book, a seahorse book that was talking about how the boy seahorses carry the babies. And it didn't just like give you basic information. It um, went through like how the seahorse is a boy and he can carry babies and just like gender you, it doesn't matter what your gender is. And then it goes into the whole gender talk. And then it also like showed the seahorses different positions that they get into to be able to get pregnant and have babies and like talk about it in first grade. So my thought process is this whole curriculum was written by a bunch of groomers to like, you know, (laughs) And it's just sad. Like, I laugh, but I laugh because I'm pissed about it. Like, how, like, it's just ridiculous that that's, and that's why it's in our school. And it makes no sense because it's supposedly supposed to be vetted by uh, the higher up people. And who read this stuff and said, yeah, totally. Let's go teach that to a first grader. Like, Yeah, but even you can't trust anybody who is so-called vetting because that's not even really a thing. I, I, I know. I know, Becca. So. But it's just, you know. yeah, stupid. But anyway, I know this is not what we were going to talk about tonight. So we can move on. Yeah, no, let's get on to the next <laughs> controversial thing we're going to talk about. It's going to be a great episode for those people who don't like stress or confrontation. Right. <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, yeah, so on our, on our first, some of the things for this month, I brought up something that I had started to see on the internet that was starting to become like a really big trend on a lot of my feeds, like on my TikTok, especially. And then I noticed it more on my Facebook and I had brought it up to you and you hadn't seen it yet. Um, so if you haven't heard that, some of the things already, I brought up this new, I don't know if I, I don't know if you would consider it like a trend or just a new label for me. It just feels like a negative label. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the default parent label. Mm-hmm. And so Shame and I both put out some feelers on our social media. Um, but I really just kind of wanted to dive in and go over briefly, like what default parent is, what the pros for this label can be, what the cons are, and overall just like our thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're not already aware, this whole default label is basically the parent who is the one who provides, basically. It's like the, the um, maternal, protective, supportive, basic need provider. So the parent that is responsible for lunches, responsible for cleaning the homes, responsible for children's activities, children's doctor visits, children's lunches, um, getting them together, basically the more nurturing parent. And from my point of view, what has been expressed to me, what I have been seeing is really a more negative connotation towards that and almost borderline hostility 
toward the other parent in the parenting role. Um, I have seen some that are single moms who are like, I'm a default parent and all this. And I understand where that can feel really difficult. But when you're a single parent, I feel like it's not really fair to call yourself a default when you are the sole. It's, you're not the default. You're not the second. You're not first base. You're not home base. You are all of it. You're the whole diamond. You do everything. So it's kind of difficult for me, but that's basically my interpretation of it. Do you have any like other thoughts or um, comments on what like a default parent is? Yeah, I mean, I I agree pretty much with what you said. It is. It seems like it's the parent that does all of the things at home with the kids, like all of the main things, kind of like what we were talking about, the parent that's going to sit and read what the child's learning at school, you know, like the parent that does just is the main parent. So then that means that the other parent is probably the breadwinner, usually. Um, And so... um, yeah, I would I would agree that how you just explained it is how I took it. That's who the default parent would be. Yeah. And so I don't know about you, but like I put out some feelers on how people felt. And to be honest, I got one response and it was from a sweet, sweet friend of mine. And that is the setup. She is the sole provider for her children, for her home for her husband's, you know, well-being and for her children's well-being because she is at home with her children and her husband is out working and making, taking care of like the primary income for their home. And so for her, she actually responded with, she didn't really know how she felt about it and that it was interesting because that label was technically her like she was technically a default parent um but it wasn't like a negative thing per se it was more that she felt seen so i feel like some of the pros for this new label is that it does give women kind of like a sense of community like they're not alone um it kind of makes them feel seen do you have any other pros that were given to you or that you feel like can come from this whole default label? Um, I had, I had a couple people respond to me. Uh, one friend that is her, she is a stay at home mom and her husband is the breadwinner and, um, she's a very involved mom and does all the things that moms do, you know? And she said for her, she said that she feels seen, that Mm -hmm. seeing a reel like that helps her to feel like someone does notice that she is the person and that she feels that that's a accurate label um, for her. So again, yeah, I mean, you could look at something and some, somebody could see it as negative and somebody could see it as positive. Um, Then I had another friend and she uh, owns her own business, um, but she's mostly home. And I think her husband works outside of the house, either that or he also owns his own business. Um, 
but she said that like she can see where the real is coming from um mm -hmm. and she can see what it's trying to say about like a default parent and she said she also feels seen but she can also see where the negative comes from that like right. the negative of being labeled a default parent can come from so she feels seen in one way but in another way the label of it she's not a super like a fan of um and then i had another parent and this was actually a father and he works outside of the house his wife works outside of the house they both are full-time uh workers but he does more with uh his son than his wife does so mm -hmm. even though they both work, he's the one who picks him up from school, brings him home, does the dinner, does the cleaning of the house, does the laundry, all of that. And he said that like the label of default parent, it's like you're trying to take a super positive role and make it less than by calling it right. a parent. Um, and so and um yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's just kind of like how some people felt about it. But I, I, I mean, I have my own thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I have my own thoughts on it. When you mentioned it, I had not seen the reel. I actually asked you to send it to me so I could look at it. And you did send it to me. And then I did end up seeing a couple after that because, you know, that's how the phones work. Once you see something, mm. then the algorithm's like, oh, let's show you more. Um and are we going into my thoughts or not yet? Yeah, no, we totally can. Okay. I wasn't sure if you had something else you wanted to say before I dive in. Yeah, no, I just, um, I want to preface this by saying, I want to kind of take a step back and make sure that anybody who is listening understands that when I share my thoughts, I do completely understand the women that feel seen by this because there was a point in time in my life where not only was I pretty much a full-time solo parent for Kenley, but then when we were all in one place in California, I still worked full-time and still very much so handled most, if not all of the housework. And it created such a strain on our marriage and then when I became a stay-at-home mom, when we left California and I came here and became a stay-at-home mom, I completely understand and I can totally relate to those women who feel like their whole identity is in that housewife homemaker role. And I completely understand how it can make you feel lost and lonely. But what I have learned in growing and maturing and through the grace of God, because to be honest, it's through a lot of the work that God has done in my husband that I can see this very, very clearly now. Um, I think the thing that bothers me the most about this is that it just doesn't seem like it involves boundaries. Um, I think one of the saddest default videos I saw was a lady sitting in a rocking chair and it had the words on it that her husband, she asked her husband if he could watch the baby for just a moment while she blew dry her hair and something happened, she needed to go downstairs. And so her husband took that as a sign that she was done. And it was a video of her sitting in the rocking chair and her husband was outside mowing the lawn. And her thing was, that wasn't your sign to, that I don't need it. You just chose to give me the baby and go mow the lawn. 
But there is some form of responsibility, I think, that we all need to have as women in a marriage with children and a partner. If you don't have proper communication, you're always going to feel less than. You're always going to feel left out. You're always going to feel not seen. Because the bottom line is, is that especially if you're in a relationship with a man, most of the time they're not taught. Like for me specifically, Zach and I had a amazingly eye-opening conversation that my husband genuinely was not given the skill or taught the skill of what empathy is. And Shame, you know that I am a complete bleeding empath. Mm-hmm. Like, so for me, it's very difficult for me to understand how he doesn't. And it's difficult having those hard conversations of boundaries. But with this whole narrative of a default, I just, I feel like it's another way to not encourage women to have healthy, proper boundaries with mm-hmm. their husbands. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, so I just wanted to preface that with like, I do anything that I'm saying is not meant to like put anybody down or make anybody feel worse than they already do. It's just to tell you that like, I have been there and I do really understand where you've been, but you're not alone. And there are so many things that you can do. And if you ever need help, you can always reach out to us. And I would love to hear your thoughts and what else you think and anything you'd like to add. Yeah. Um, I have multiple thoughts. Um, Mm -hmm. First of all, yes, I completely agree with what you just said, Becca. I think a lot of times we, um, I, I just know a handful of women over the years from different states and things. Um, And I think sometimes I think it's a mix. Either you are married to somebody that you were sharing your thoughts of what you need and like, Uh, how you want to do things and how you guys want to like how you would like to be partners in life uh, when it comes to the home and all of that. And they just don't care and they don't care to change and they don't care to listen to what you were saying. Some women do deal with that. So I'm not saying that there are not people that don't. I know that there are women that they will tell, you know, tell their spouse or their, you know, significant other, Um, this is what I'm needing from you. And they're just like, yeah, well, I'm tired too, because I work all the time and you're just at home and they don't see your value. So I'm not saying that everybody does. Right. Right. There are those women. Then you have the women that just take everything on top of themselves and completely like do everything themselves and never ask for help or never, um, address things with their spouse and actually explain in a loving way, hey, I really need you to do this, this, and this so that I feel valued. And so and that was 100% I can me. Right. Mm-hmm. So I can have a break. Um, and I usually say communication is key. Now, again, I know that there are some women right. that communicate and the other person just doesn't care. And I'm really right. sorry if that is you and you are in that kind of relationship because I know that that's frustrating. And I know that that can make you feel even more lonely and probably even more right. of the default parent. When I look up the um, uh, definition of a default parent, it says, when a child routinely favors one parent over the other for comfort, affection, and permission. Um, mm-hmm. 
It often involves being the first in line to take care of tasks around the house as well as child-related responsibilities. Um, I get that. And I guess we're primarily talking to women because usually it's primarily the woman. We do know in some instances it is the man. So you can change this narrative if you are a man listening and this is you, you can change the narrative to you. But as women, um, I, okay, my thought process is I know that we get overwhelmed and I know that a lot of times we get overtouched. There are times that I literally look at my kids and I'm like, please stop touching me. I right. need to not be touched. There are times that my kids walk completely past my husband in the living room and come to the bedroom to ask me for something when they could have asked dad right. sitting right there. There right. are times that <laughs> I worked all day, just like my husband worked all day. And then I come home and I cook dinner and I really would just like help with the dishes. I do not want to have to do it by myself. It is okay to have needs and it is okay to feel touched out. And it is okay to feel like you feel so overwhelmed. Um, but I think we need to change our narrative as women. I think that we need to change our outlook on things. And that's easier said than done. I know that. It has taken me practice. When I sit and I have a mom sit in front of me and say that they do not know what their purpose is in life, that they do not, that they wish that they could find something that they can do and feel fulfilled and that they want to feel important, you've missed the mark as a mom. And I, I, I'm saying this with love. This probably does not sound like it. I'm not trying to judge, but you have missed the mark and you need to go back and you need to rethink. As mothers, we have been given the most important job in the whole world. And I'm not mm -hmm. going to sit here and I'm not going to make you um, feel bad. I'm not going to go down the road of there are some moms that, or there are some women that wish they could have babies and they can't have babies and all that. Like that is their path to walk. And I'm not, I don't want to go down that path. Um, I just want to say that as a mother, you have the most important job. Whether you believe in God or not, he has given you this precious gift. He has given you this precious responsibility. It is your job to raise and train and teach your children. You have the most important job that you could ever have in your whole entire life. Having a super successful business one day great, like super awesome. There are moms that have successful businesses and they still are moms, right? But we cannot downplay the moms that are home all day, every day that are stay-at-home moms. You are not just a stay-at-home mom. You oh. are not just a mother. You are so much more than that. You are so much more important. And I wish that we could put more of a value on what we hold because we have such a huge job and it does feel overwhelming at times for sure. Not downplaying that at all. Um, but I think when we look at it as this is our number one responsibility, and this is a very important one, we're raising the next generation. When we are looking at who's going to be the next president, the next teacher, the next police officer, the next uh, garbage person, like all of these people, plumber, all these people that are important in our society. We want to make sure that we have people that are kind, compassionate, caring. They help other people. Um, they are good. Uh, they are good citizens in our society. Right. Um, and that's number one, like the number one person that's at home with these kids um, is the moms usually. 
So I just, I think what bothers me when I look at this default parent thought process is it may, I do agree that it makes uh, the default, the, the title of default parent makes you look less than, it makes you look not important. It makes you look like just any other average Joe. Um, and I think that we are so much more than that. And we are so much more important than that. And I just wish that we would give ourselves more value instead of just accepting that society has called us the default parent. And that's just what we are. And so I know that there's so many different thoughts that could go with this. But honestly, that was my first instinct of I just wish we would just give ourselves so much more than just accepting a title of default parent, no matter what it means. And yes, maybe it makes you feel seen. And if you're getting a positive from it, then good. You know, I would rather you get a positive than a negative. But I think sometimes I'm a huge person in like looking what is behind something and why has something become what it has and why as a society are we pushing something? Why on social media is this so huge? And I think, I mean, and yes, I'm a conspiracy theorist. We all know this, but I think it is to make a woman feel less than. If you feel less than, if you feel like you're not good enough, if you feel like you're just a stay-at-home mom and there's no value in that, then you will be down, you are depressed, you are not fulfilling what you are supposed to fulfill as a mother because you're not feeling it. Your heart is not feeling it. And so when you cannot do that, you are not doing your job as a mom, raising the kids the way that you need to. Now we have this group of kids that are growing up that are not becoming the people that they need to be because they were not taught correctly because we could not be the mothers that we could be because we put ourselves in this box and called ourselves less than. Yeah. And That's I my own personal another, Yeah, hundred percent. And I agree. I agree with so much of that. Um, I think also another thing that I am seeing and kind of discerning from the tone in these videos um, that I'm just fearful of. And I want to make sure that women are aware. Um, I think it's breeding a culture of resentment. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. I, I know, again, I completely know what that looks like, how you operate out of that. I operated out of a view of resentment for so long. It was this December, a couple of weeks ago, y'all, where I had the conversation when I started seeing these things with my husband of, you know, you have the luxury to do X, Y, and Z. And he very humbly you know, said, I totally get that you see me going to the gym as a luxury, but I go, I wake up at 4.30 in the morning to do these things, to then work and come home and be as present as possible. And I was like, you know, I am like, I can totally relate to this. You never worry about the girls' clothes. You never worry about the girls' doctor stuff. You don't sign the papers at school. You don't do any of these things. And he looked me in the eye and he was like, well, you know, I'm so thankful that you do these things. But also, have you ever once asked Mm. me to pick that up? Mm -hmm. And my response, of course, was resent and deflection. And it was, Mm -hmm. well, that's, that's my point is that you don't see, you don't see these things. But what I had to also come to light with 
was the home that I'm in. I am so blessed that my husband can provide for me. Mm -hmm. So I get to flourish and build and create what I want in our home, but without proper boundaries and um, speaking up for ourselves. One of the things that I really just wanted to touch on before kind of start to wrap up was I just don't want any mama, any woman, any person, male, female, whoever is doing the default actions. I don't want anyone to fall into the negative mindset of being labeled as the default. That means you have to carry that label because somehow Mm -hmm. now it belongs to you because Mm -hmm. that's not yours. This is a point of view from someone who maybe really does have good intentions and is wanting to let you know you're not alone, but without proper strategy and without proper help and without proper community, it's really not there to make you feel seen. It's there to plant an idea in your head. And so if you don't have proper help and if you need help, like that is why we do this podcast. We are here for anybody to reach out so that we can help as many mamas as possible. You know, Shamay, she has such a heart for mamas, as do I. So that's what we're here for. But I think it's a very, a very dangerous point of view as well because you can slip into the negative mentality or the meek mentality. And not that meekness is not good. Part of meekness is good. But when you don't speak up for yourself mm-hmm. and set boundaries and have open, like Shami said, communication with your partner. And she did mention She knows there are some partners that just don't care. And to be honest, if you're in that relationship, you might want to have a really hard look at the relationship you're in. Mm -hmm. And you might need help to reevaluate those boundaries. And if it's not us, if it can be a healthy group, if it can be a pastor, if it can be a friend, if it can be a mother, if it can be anybody to help you with that partner for them to communicate better with you, because if you're in a relationship where your partner just simply doesn't care, I, I ask you to take a hard look at that because that's not what you deserve. And mm-hmm. you will always be the default. And that's not fair for you to be in. But also, I want to make sure the mamas hear that you matter enough, you are important, and you have the blessing, like Shawnee said, of having this role to be the one that your kids go to first for nurturing. But it does not negate the fact that you need to be nurtured. It does not negate the fact that you need a partner. And so this week when I was out for the count, my husband was the default parent. And let me tell you today, he is tired. He is snappy. He is grumpy. (laughs) And I am getting my win back. But guess what? He's been handling our little one for the past four days in a row. He's been taking care of laundry. He's been taking, taking, taking care of cooking for everybody. You know, mm-hmm. um, because you have a partnership. Yeah. And I, I think and I, I think do it. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's so important. Like it's important her. to have that. Yeah. And so I can't wait to get back on my feet and kind of take that off of him because I've seen him working hard. But if him and I didn't have the communication style and the ability for me to speak up and speak out for what I deserve and what I need, then it would look a lot different. So I think bottom line, I a hundred percent agree with what you said. Um, I just want moms to be so mindful 
of the negativity and just the downright neglect and, and kind of resentment that this can bring mm-hmm. because in no way is the default label a place where you can thrive. You just can't. You yeah. can't thrive when your point of view is less. You can't mm-hmm. thrive when your point of view is undeserving of your basic needs and a basic partner relationship. Like Shamay said, you have a partner for a reason. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And you'd be surprised. Sometimes you would be surprised if you would just sit and have the conversation and say, this is what I need. There are times that I will look at my husband and I will say, hey, I really need your help tonight. I am exhausted and I just need you to step up and help. Can you please put the kids to bed tonight? Can you please do the dishes? And when you have those open conversations and you are, are able to just really express what you are needing in that moment, they start to pick up on things. Like right now I can hear my husband washing dishes. He knows I'm tired. He knows that my feet hurt because I am not a working girl. I have not been a working girl for eight years. And yes, I do part-time, but like for me to be there Monday through Friday, going on the second week, like it's a lot for me. I'm not used to this life. And so, (laughs) and so he knows that, right? Because we've been able to have open right. conversation of like, hey, I really just need help with this. I really need like you to be my partner and partner mm-hmm. with me in this. So sometimes it's yeah. hard to have the conversations, but like you just need to express what you need. And yes, we know that there are some partners that don't. And Becca's right. You need to look at that a little closer because you don't deserve that. And um, I mean, if it, it's you're supposed to, everything's supposed to be all about love. Right. Mm -hmm. And so love is action. You know, it's not just a word, it is action. So, Mm -hmm. um, but yes, overall we say these things and we talk about these things because we're coming from a heart, um, a place of love and it's never to judge you or to make someone feel, uh, bad about themselves. Um, we share these things because we want the best for you guys and we want better for you, you know, and yes, you may be one of those people that saw that and it was a positive thing for you. Um, but for some other people, it was a negative, you know, mm-hmm. and we just don't want you to feel the negative, you know, we want yeah. you to feel good about yourself and not crappy about yourself. So, yeah. Hopefully talking about it kind of gave you um, maybe a different point of view. Yeah. Um, maybe some insight. Hopefully. I mean, we hope it was helpful for yeah. one. <laughs> and I definitely, yeah, I definitely want to point out too, if you are anything like me and you struggle with asking for help because it wasn't modeled to you, it is going to be difficult, but you can do it. And if you are the kind of person who not only didn't ask for help, it's very painful and uncomfortable for you to do it. And you're an overthinker and you like to think of other people's responses first. It's also really hard when you're in a negative mindset of, oh, well, he just doesn't get it. Or he's going to say this and that. You really don't know. Um, And nine times out of 10, when you say, hey, I need your help with this, they have no idea because they're just not thinking about it yet. And the more you ask, the more you work together, 
the more you set boundaries and set expectations, the better it can be. And so that's really just kind of where our hearts are. And we love you. And we just want to make sure that all mamas are knowing that they are not the default, that they are thebomb.com. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so we're just going to end with that. We hope you guys have a great week. Um, You know, continue to tune in. We got things we want to talk about, like always. So yes, Um, and feel free to reach out if you feel like it was helpful or if there's something you feel like we missed. We're happy to cover it on some of the things at another time. Yes. And check out our Instagram, all the things with C and B. We post things on there. It's a great way for you to connect with us and to uh, contact us. And we hope you all have a great week and we'll talk to you later. Yes. Love you. Bye. (laughs) Bye.